Welcome to Epic Moses, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. As we move on with this topic of leadership within the Christian kingdom context, let's remind ourselves of what we saw in the previous episode. First and foremost, we established that Christ said that leadership or greatness in the kingdom is not going to be as it is in the world, but only by service to the brethren. In other words, the Lord said that anyone who will lead must be the servant of all. He then went ahead to demonstrate it by washing the feet of his disciples. We also learned that greatness in the kingdom is not a matter of inheritance or dynasty, though there has been that erroneous practice even from the days of the apostles of Christ, it was never according to his will. We also learned that culture and tradition is the greatest barrier to innovation and the word of God and that we need to break away from our cultural norms to do things in a new way for us to progress in our efforts and in our society. We will now continue to the second part of this discourse by looking at the qualities of a leader and how leadership can have an impact on our effectiveness by looking at a few examples both in the Bible and in history. There are two kinds of leaders. The first kind are the ones chosen directly by God to fulfill a purpose. Such individuals go on to choose other people as time goes on who will help them fulfill the purpose they have been charged with. Like Moses chose Joshua. The second kind of leader is the one who aspires to service or is chosen within the ranks. Basically, God can choose a leader according to divine will. It's not completely possible to know the exact reason a particular person is chosen by God for anything. So we cannot say here that a divinely chosen leader must have these set of qualities. In the case of the divinely chosen leaders, submission to their authority and leadership is not a matter of choice, but compulsion. This is because submitting to such leadership equals submitting to God. God chose Moses, so it doesn't matter if anyone thought Moses was good or bad, qualified or not. Anyone who questioned his authority had to deal with God. However, if the only person saying a man is chosen by God is the man himself, then one needs to be wary of such people. After all, God announced Moses to the people, and even Jesus was announced by John the Baptist to his followers because God announced Jesus to John the Baptist. There needs to be verification of a person's divine calling before they can be taken seriously. Whenever we are allowed to choose a leader, then it's important that we keep in mind the importance of our choice. As we already said in the preceding episode, that the effect of whoever leads us 
can have far-reaching consequences in our life's experience. According to the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the willingness to serve is the primary quality that any leader must have. This is why in some spiritual organizations who know better, the only way to be ordained into ministry is to work in very menial assignments for a period of time. Anyone who feels too big to labor and sacrifice for others is really not fit for leadership. If the only thing a person wants is to be in charge, that person, when given the opportunity to lead, will end up leading in tyranny. Such people who lust after leadership do it because they see it as a privilege which comes with authority and power rather than a responsibility which demands service to humanity. Such people are prone to rebellion, just like Absalom, King David's son, who coveted his father's throne while his father David was still alive. You can find the story of this in 2 Samuel chapter 15. Let's avoid anyone who is too eager to be in leadership, because those who know what it really entails tend to run away from it. Being a servant is a great way for anyone to be prepared for leadership because that period or stage of serving others will always come with challenges that shape the individual into a great leader. Therefore, do not make anyone a leader who loves being served more than they love serving. Such people, if put into leadership, will always believe others were created to serve them and they will work their subordinates so hard. This was the problem of Rehoboam, the son of King Solomon, who lost the ten tribes of Israel because he thought the people were his personal property. You can find this in 2 Chronicles chapter 10. Whenever people are put into service, there are qualities that one must look out for. The first of those qualities is humility. It's absolutely impossible to be a servant without humility. And anyone who tries to serve without humility will never be effective as a servant. They will end up in conflict with those they are supposed to be serving. If you are ever in leadership and notice anyone who is serving, but always having conflict with those who they are serving, such a person is not fit for service and consequently not fit for leadership. The second thing a person in service must have is endurance and forbearance. One will have to learn to endure the ingratitude of some human beings and not be offended by it. This is a great test of service. The willingness to serve without needing gratitude. Of course it's a bad thing for a person to be an ingrate, but anyone in service and every aspiring leader must be willing to serve whether the people are grateful or not. Jesus spoke of this in Luke 17:9. The fact is that gratitude for service you are supposed to render is not compulsory, but a matter of courtesy. If you are meant to do a particular assignment, you should be willing to simply do it. If you then get gratitude from the receiver of your service, then it's a credit to the receiver, not you. Anyone who gets angry because they were not thanked 
for doing their duty is not fit for service. If such people are made leaders, they will keep demanding for so much from their followers, from their leadership. That's why we have leaders today who demand for luxury items and heavily tax their members for their own gratification. Now, the other aspect of choosing a leader, apart from the fundamental requirements of service, is the aspect of mental and cultural development. The mental and cultural propensity of a chosen leader can have great impact on our lives. It's so important that spiritual babies are not chosen for leadership. A leader needs to be a person who has been well-schooled in the ways of the kingdom and enough time has passed to allow the things taught to become a part of the person's culture. Therefore, a new convert, no matter how sincere, committed or zealous, is not suitable for any leadership position. Even if the person is willing to serve and has all the qualities named in this series, they must be made to wait for some time before they can be made a leader. This is because it takes time to imbibe the culture. An action has to be repeated many times to become a habit. Then the habit will have to be sustained for a good while further to become a culture. It takes time to develop culture and it also takes time to change it. Therefore, people need time to be ready for leadership. Now to illustrate what I'm trying to say, I will take an example from the scripture in the book of Revelations chapter 2 verse 6 and it reads, But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And also in Revelations 2.15 it also says, You also have them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now these are two verses in which the glorified Christ is speaking to the Apostle John in the island of Patmos, in which he expresses hatred for a certain doctrine called the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. When I saw this scripture, I was quite alarmed, because throughout the record of the life of Christ, he never said he hated anything or any set of people. Christ did not hate Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute. He did not hate Zacchaeus, who was a corrupt official. He did not hate those who betrayed him or those who nailed him on the cross. Yet, Christ said he hates these people and their doctrine. So I decided to do a research on the Nicolaitans to know who they are and to be sure I avoid what they were doing which Christ hates. At the end of my research, the following are my findings. I found that the Nicolaitans were a Christian sect or denomination at the time of the early church, who believed and practiced a hybrid kind of Christianity, which mixed Christianity, Judaism, and Paganism together. I found that in the heart of their beliefs, they used to flog themselves with whips while quoting the laws of Moses in the name of Christ. They believed that by doing that, they were whipping the laws of Moses into themselves, which will make them righteous. 
I understand that they would whip themselves so much that their backs would bleed. The whips came from a pagan kind of belief. The laws of Moses came from Judaism. Then the name of Christ came from Christianity. Now this belief system inflicted torture on people. That's why Christ hated it. Believe it or not, this doctrine gained popularity in those days until they had their own special name, the Nicolaitans. Now, let's get to the center of this whole series. Who led these people into such strange things? To find out, let's look at the book of Acts, chapter 6 and verse 5. And it reads, And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith at the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicano, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Now the apostles had told the multitudes who were the members of the first church at Jerusalem to choose men to serve as deacons, and they chose the men named in that verse. The very last name, Nicholas, is the one we are interested in. This Nicholas was a proselyte, which means he was not originally a Jew, but a newly converted pagan from Antioch. Nicholas converted from paganism to Judaism, then again converted from Judaism to Christianity. I believe he was picked by the crowd because he was probably very zealous and always available. But the culture of paganism had not left him, being a new convert of Judaism. It was this same Nicholas who eventually drew many followers and created those strange doctrines that the Lord hates. Now, if you think these doctrines are strange, what about those who nowadays inflict pain on members with floggings in the church? and make their members go through long fasting so that God will answer their prayers. Believe me when I tell you that if the doctrine of the Nicolaitans were still around, it would have been very popular today because human beings trust in works more than grace. The fact is that every other doctrine today that says that it's what you do that gives you salvation is just another set of Nicolaitans. Now let's now bring this whole thing to a conclusion. Why am I saying these things? It's dangerous to put people into leadership when enough time has not passed to allow the old cultures to leave that person. It's actually not hard to look righteous, pray and quote scriptures. Even now in our country all over Africa, we see pastors who are obviously native doctors coming up with strange things. This is particularly a problem in the eastern part of Nigeria. They may have good qualities and be sincere in their desire to serve, but they still have the culture of where they are coming from. Enough time has not been given for those old tendencies to leave them, so they simply apply the things they came with in mixture with the ones they have just learned and create their own version of Christianity. That's exactly how Nicholas created the Colitian doctrine. 
I therefore strongly advise that we try to find out where our intending leader comes from and how long ago they came out from there before starting ministry. This is so vital for your safety, my brethren. For many have fallen victim to all kinds of evil in search for God. Please do not judge by looking at signs and wonders. Remember that most Habalists can't do many of these things too. Rather, judge by character and the things we have outlined in this series. And I believe that we can make better choices of leaders for our efforts in the kingdom. May God Almighty give us spiritual understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening and God bless you. Hope you were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com. You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.